Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Luke, chapter 5. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. Talking about makeup. I don't have no problem with makeup. But J. Vernon McGee said, Every old barn needs some paint. <laughs> I didn't say it. Don't shoot the messenger. I didn't say it. And then she used to always tell me, she would look at me and say, Rodney, she'd say, I go, yeah, mom. She'd go, God's going to bless you. I wasn't even a Christian. And she was telling me God was going to bless me. I didn't even know what bless me meant. I mean, I'm like, bless me, what does that mean? Give me some money. I mean, that would be a good thing. I didn't know what bless me meant, give me money. I'm like, oh, okay, cool. She's like, no, God's going to really, really bless you. God's got a plan for life. I'm like, mom, please. I mean, she told me that all the time. God's going to bless you. My mother used to sneak in the room. My mother used to come in my room at night. She thought I was sleeping, and she would stand at the foot of my bed and pray over me. And I would just lay there like I was sleeping because I'm like, oh, my God, she's getting going again. And I'm like, me, 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 me. <laughs> I was just like, woo, she's going at it again. And she would come in and be praying over me and, yes, Lord, just bless me. She would do stuff like that and tell me that God's going to bless me. And then about six or seven years later, about six or seven years later, I gave my life to Jesus. And I remember I called my mom. First person I called was my mother. And I said, Mom, guess what? I gave my life to Christ. She goes, see, I told you God was going to bless you. (laughs) Some years went by, and I, um, you know, I wasn't walking with the Lord as I should have been. And I was married by then and had children. And, um, you know, Elvira, my wife, she would look at me and say, you know what? She'd say, God's going to bless you. I'm like, oh my God, where'd you get that from? My mother. And she said, and she would tell me, she said, you're not doing what God wants you to do. I go, what you mean I'm not doing what God wants me to do? I went to church every Sunday and I was, I was even singing in the choir. I didn't miss choir rehearsal. I was like, what you mean I'm not doing what God, well, God's got a call in your life. God's got a call. And she would tell me that all the time, all the time. She's seeing in me what I don't see in myself. Hmm. And she said, God's got a call in your life, and God's got a plan for your life, and, God, and God's calling you. And I'd go, yeah, well, if God's calling me, I used to say this all the time, the most ridiculous thing, don't ever say this. But I used to say this all the time. I'd say, well, if God's calling me, then he's going to have to show up at night at the foot of my bed and say, Rodney, I'm calling you. Come, my son, be used by me. Something like that. I used to tell her that all the time. So she's always say, you're running from God. You're running from God. You're running from God. And who would have ever thought? Here my mom, is, my mom is seeing things in me 
that I don't see in myself. And then my wife is seeing things in me that I don't see in myself. And who would have ever thought this many years later now, 26 years I've been walking with God, who would have ever thought that I would be standing here, Madeline, telling you that God sees in you what you don't see in yourself, that you see in yourself that you're a sinner. You see in yourself that you're not doing what God wants you to do, that you don't pray, that you don't read your Bible, you don't come to men's study, you don't come to women's study, you hardly come to church. When you get here, you're not really here, you're not here, and you see in yourself the filth and sin and dirt. But God sees in you a person that he can use if you will submit your life to him. Somebody say amen. Would you do that? God sees in you different. You need to be thankful. And we need to be thankful that God sees in us what we don't see in ourselves. God saw in Matthew, a recorder of the gospel, a rescuer of souls, an evangelist, a man who knew the word of God. Yet he wasn't living the word of God. He knew the word of God. And God saw in him something he didn't see in himself. And God shows up one day and says, tax collector, the very man that people hate, the very man that people throw fruit, rotten fruit at, the very man that people spit upon. And when they walk by, people spit on the ground like you don't mean anything. God looked at Matthew and said, you follow me. God's ways, don't you get it? God's ways are not like us, like our ways. And God's thoughts that he thinks toward us are not our thoughts. We don't look at other people in the way that God looks at us. God, Jesus walked by that day. As a matter of fact, in Matthew chapter nine, you look that up in your own time, but it tells us that Jesus saw a man. I think that's interesting. Matthew 9, 9. Jesus saw a man. Luke tells us, Jesus saw a tax collector. Matthew says Jesus saw a man sitting at a tax booth. People may see one thing, but Jesus sees something totally different. Can you say amen? So Matthew, get this, he's sitting at the H&R block tax table. Jesus walks up and says, follow me. Can you get that scene? I'm sure that Matthew probably was surprised. He's probably like, who? Who, me? He never heard the words, follow me. He probably heard the words, get away from me. But he never heard the words, follow me. And the Bible tells us that he left all, he rose up, and he followed Jesus. Levi, Matthew's response was immediate, and it was drastic. He left all, he rose up, and he followed Jesus. I mean, think about the things that people in the Bible left to follow Jesus. If you're taking notes, you write this down. Just in chapter 5, we just looked at it a few weeks ago. In verse 11, it was Peter, James, and John who left their biggest catch of fish to follow Jesus. It's in Mark chapter 10, verse 50. Blind Bartimaeus, the Bible tells us, threw away his garment to follow Jesus. It was in Luke chapter 7, the widow of Nain. She, Jesus touched her son and they left behind a casket. In Luke chapter 11, I think of Lazarus who left behind the grave and the grave closed. This is always the order for following Jesus, saints. Before you can rise up, you got to decide to leave all. Matthew left all. Are you getting me? Matthew left all. He rose up 
and he followed Jesus. And in the Greek language, it literally reads, he began to follow and he continued to follow. Now you got to understand something here. Matthew left a very lucrative business with benefits. I mean, I'm sure Matthew had medical and dental and retirement. He probably had a company cart. You don't know. You weren't there. You know, for Levi, this was a big deal and a huge sacrifice because if this little venture didn't work out, he couldn't go back. You didn't just give up collecting taxes for Rome and expect to go back a little later. But he left it all behind and he followed Jesus. Why? Why? You can write this down. Because lordship requires obedience. Lordship requires obedience. If Jesus is going to be your Lord, you're going to have to leave it all behind. Can you say a better amen than that? If Jesus is going to be your Lord, you got to leave it all behind. That boyfriend who is not a Christian, you're going to have to leave him behind. Hmm? That girlfriend who is not a Christian, you're going to have to leave her behind. That involvement at work, that illegal activity of making money at work, if you're going to follow Jesus, you're going to have to leave it behind. Whatever is not of the Lord, you have to leave behind because lordship requires obedience. Listen, if you don't hear nothing else I say, I don't care if you're 8 or 80, listen, Lordship requires obedience. It is a biblical law. If he's going to be your Lord, then you must be obedient. You have to do what he tells you to do. You have to obey him. And he's got to be the Lord of your life. Somebody said, somebody once said, Lord of all or not Lord at all. Hmm. Lord of all or not Lord at all. Lordship requires obedience. And if you want God to bless you, you're going to have to be obedient. You got to do things God's way. You know, in marriage counseling, I tell people all the time, they want to get married. Well, how's your situation? Well, you know, we're living together and we do this and we do that and we do this. And, you know, we're, we're you know, having relationships and things of that nature. Well, listen, you got to stop all that. I know this is old school stuff. Y'all probably like, man, he is like totally old school. Don't you know that everybody lives together nowadays? I don't care. You know, my mom used to tell me, well, if everybody jumped off a bridge, would you? You can't expect God to bless mess. And why do we expect God to bless mess? And oh, by the way, we want to get married in the church. Why? I'm serious. I'm just keeping it real. Guys, look, y'all know I'm not in this for popularity contest. I don't, whatever. But Why? Why do you want to get married in a church? Well, wait, wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. You want to ask the Lord to attend the wedding, but you don't want the Lord to attend the marriage. Hmm? That's what happens. That's exactly what happens. The Lord comes to the wedding. We get married in church. We get married in the presence of the Lord, in the presence of the pastor, in the presence of family and friends. But we don't, we don't invite him to the marriage. Lord of all or not Lord at all. That's kind of the way it works. God doesn't bless mess, period. 
You want to be blessed by God. I don't care what your situation is. You listen to me. I don't care what your situation is. If you want God to bless you, then start to get things in order with what the word of God teaches. Start to arrange your life according to the B-I-B-L-E. What is it? Basic instructions before leaving earth. It's called the Bible. And if you order your life according to this word, the Bible says the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And God will bless you. God will bless you. But you got to do things his way. You, you, can't, you can't take this in your own hands. So whatever you're going through, do a God's word. It can be hard. It's going to be hard. You're like, Pastor, it's easier for you to say because it ain't you. Well, yeah, that's true. It is easier for me to say, but it's a blessing for you to do. All right. So look at verse 29. Notice Matthew, he left everything behind. Y'all with me? Say amen. And notice the first thing that Levi does is he has a great feast and he throws a party and he invites some friends. Then you got to consider, look, who is at, give me your attention. You got to consider who's at this party. He's a tax collector. Are you with me? Tax collectors hung out with shady people because they were shady. So tax collectors hung out with people like robbers and thieves and murderers and cheats and prostitutes and homosexuals and drug addicts and, 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 and traitors and ungodly people and IRS people. Tax collectors hung out with shady people. And Matthew invited them because he wants them to know Jesus and he knew that Jesus was a friend of sinners. You know, somebody once said, a saved man doesn't want to go to heaven alone. Isn't that true? A saved man doesn't want to go to heaven alone. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that Jesus is a friend of sinners. I'm glad that Jesus was a friend of sinners because I was a sinner. I'm glad that Jesus is a friend of sinners because I'm looking at a whole room, all y'all sinners. Say amen. Sinners. And Matthew, I love this about Matthew. You got to get this. Matthew's like a new Christian. He's like a new Christian and he's excited about Jesus. And I love that about Matthew and I love that about new Christians. New Christians are excited about Jesus. What happens with people after they've been walking with the Lord for some time? They lose that excitement. Anybody know anybody like that? Um, Maybe it's you. I mean, you lose your excitement about Jesus. When you become a Christian, you're all excited. Matthew just became a Christian. He's inviting all of his friends. Come, you got to hear this man. You got to meet this man. He's a friend of sinners. He's all excited. When you become a Christian, you're all excited. When I became a Christian, I was all excited. I remember when I first walked into a Calvary chapel, Brian Broderson, perhaps y'all know, that's Chuck Smith's son-in-law. That's the first Calvary I ever walked in. And it was a small church at that time. And me and Elvira, we, it was our first, I told you all this, it was our first Sunday going there. And out in California, folks, they dress like flip-flops and t-shirts on a Sunday morning. And Elvira and I, was our first Sunday, we were just coming from a church God in Christ. And so we dress up at the church guy in Christ. I mean, we had, I mean, we was, you know, we was sharp every Sunday, every Sunday, every Sunday. You had to be sharp. So we went to church on Sunday morning to the Calvary Chapel. We walked up in the driveway. And some of y'all had this experience here. 
Folks had flip-flops and tank tops on and T-shirts. I'm looking at these people. I'm like, what in the world kind of cult is this? <laughs> See, y'all laughing because y'all thought the same thing when you first came here, didn't you? Ooh, y'all raising your hands. I didn't ask for all that. No. Y'all like, yes. And I remember thinking, and, and Elvira and I, we were all dressed up. Elvira, but she had a hat. Elvira could wear a hat. She, Elvira had a hat on. She had gloves, pearls, and heels. She was sharp. I was sharp. Y'all know. <laughs> and people came up to me, and they were like, hi, how are you? You must be a visitor. And I'm like, yeah, well, yeah, but how do you know? They were like, well, you know. And I remember sitting on the back row of the church. I sat on the back row intentionally because I thought I wasn't sure whether this was a cult or not. And I thought if something get crazy, I got to get out quick. <laughs> Y'all know how it is. You got to get out quick. Y'all tell the new people because they're always sitting on the back row by the door. You know that. And I remember thinking, and I listened to Brian teach, just standing, just like this, teaching. I never heard that before. Never seen that before. I'd only seen preaching and walking back and forth and all, you know, I'm not saying anything's wrong with that. I'm just saying that's what was my experience. That's all. And he was teaching from the book of Revelation. And I remember I first, my first time I remember hearing the word of God, I started crying because God's word was just that tangible. I never heard the word of God explained simply. And Elvira started crying too. So she looked over at me. She said, honey, you all right? I went, yeah, just something, something in my eye. <laughs> something in my, I'm a man, I'm a man. And uh, I just remember, you know, beginning to walk with the Lord, and I was excited about the things of the Lord, and I began to teach the Bible. At one point, I had four or five Bible studies. In one week, I was teaching the Bible. I was excited about the Lord. I remember getting dressed on a Friday night and all the other Marines and the Navy people were going out to party and going to the clubs and I was all dressed up in my suit. They said, Finch, where are you going? I said, man, I'm going street witnessing. And I used to go to Oceanside, California, stand on the corner in Oceanside, California and I used to preach the gospel and I used to scream at people. I was like really, I was like obnoxious excited. <laughs> you know, you can be too excited. I was kind of obnoxious excited and I was standing on the corner. I'm preaching to people. I'm like, hey, you know, Jesus, you're going to hell, man. Let me tell you how you're going to hell. And I was wondering why everybody was walking on the other side of the street. And then I finally got it. But I was excited about the Lord. And I was excited about the things of God. And I remember somebody telling me in my excitement, they said, oh, don't worry. It'll cool off. You'll cool off one day. You won't be, you know, as excited. You'll cool off. And, and, and I, I guess I'm happy to tell you, I've been walking with the Lord for 26 years, and I really haven't cooled off. I really haven't. Amen. I still am excited about the Lord. And I think we ought to be excited about the Lord because we serve a great and awesome God. Somebody say amen. Matter of fact, clap your hands for the Lord. Will you do that? And the Bible tells us that the joy of the Lord is our... Yes. I want to remain joyful. I don't want to be become a card-carrying member of the Frozen Chosen. Are you with me? I don't want to become a crusty Christian. I want to be joyful in the Lord because I find that it's the joy of the Lord that keeps me close to the Lord. It keeps me walking with the Lord. 
Matthew was excited about the things of the Lord, so excited that he had a party. Notice in verse 30, the Bible tells us the scribes and the Pharisees, they asked, why do you eat and drink with those people, those tax collectors and sinners? You see, the sinners are celebrating. Are you getting this? The sinners are celebrating and the religious people are complaining. The sinners are happy and the Pharisees are sad. And what they're really asking is, why are your disciples having fun and we're not? And the Pharisees were suggesting that if Jesus was really spiritual like them, he wouldn't be happy and celebrating with sinners. And Jesus said, did you get this? Those who are well don't need a physician, but those who are sick. In other words, the kind of people that that Jesus comes to are those who are sin sick and they realize they need healing. Jesus isn't against doctors, please. There are some people who take this verse and say Jesus is against doctors and they don't take their kids to the doctors and they don't take their kids for immunizations and when they get sick, they don't go to the doctor because Jesus is against doctors, they say, using this verse. Jesus is not against doctors. Jesus is simply making the statement that he sees himself as a doctor, as a spiritual doctor, Jesus says, I'm the doctor and sin sick people are the patients. And Jesus is a great physician. Do you believe it? Jesus is a great physician. And as a physician, you hang out with people who are sick. Doctors like to hang around people who are coughing on them. It's true. Doctors like to hang around people breathing germs on them. They like to hang around sick people. So Jesus being a physician, he hung around sin sick folks. But the great thing about Jesus being a doctor is the diagnosis. Listen, the diagnosis is always accurate. The cure is always perfect. And the bill has already been paid. Are you with me? No HMOs, no PPOs. Everything has been paid. Jesus paid it all, the Bible says. The Bible teaches. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Whatever you need, whether you are sick, sick in your body, I believe in supernatural healing. I was just with a brother the other day and Friday night. As a matter of fact, he had surgery and Elvira and I went over Friday night to sit with them for a while and we had a great time. It was a great time of fellowship. And uh, he was telling me a story about he injured his back or something happened with his back and they were just about ready to do surgery. They did an MRI and the doctor came back and said, we don't need to do surgery. Your back has been completely healed. We can't explain it, but there's nothing there. I believe, don't misunderstand me. I believe in spiritual, supernatural healing. I believe we serve a God who is able to heal. What I don't believe is contrary to popular teaching. I don't believe that we are in a position to command God to heal us. That we can name it, claim it, blab it, and grab it, and we will be healed. That I don't believe. I believe healing belongs to the Lord. And however God chooses to heal us, that's God's sovereignty. And don't forget, death is healing. Man, Rodney, that's a bummer. (laughs) Death is healing. Because in the presence of the Lord, there's no sickness. There's no sadness. There's no no disease in the presence of the Lord. 
So sometimes we're praying for healing. Lord, heal him, Lord, heal him, Lord, heal him, Lord, heal him. And sometimes the Lord might take your mom home. Or the Lord might take your dad home. Or the Lord might take your brother or your family member home. And you think, Lord, why didn't you heal him? Listen, he did heal him. Because when they get to heaven, they're more healthy in heaven than they are here. They're complete in heaven. Can somebody say amen? They are complete in heaven. So death is healing. He's a great physician. And whatever you stand in need of, he is here to meet your need because he's a doctor. Yes, he will heal us physically, but I believe the Bible says that Jesus came and died on the cross for our spiritual healing, for our sin-sick souls. Because the reality is, listen, every single one of us, listen to me, every single one of us came into this world a sinner. And every single one of us, y'all agree with that? And every single one of us need to be saved. I'm so thankful for my salvation. I really am. Because I know, I know better than you know, how completely undeserving I am to be saved. I know how completely undeserving I am to be standing here to tell you something about God. I don't deserve to be here. But thank God he doesn't call people who deserve it. Matthew didn't deserve it. He was ripping folk off. And Jesus said, stop doing that and follow me. That's grace. Thankful. And you should be too. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch and Calvary Chapel Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at one 800 293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the media library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light. Let me be a song.